All right. Hello, ladies around the world. This is Yemi Majakodumi, your host from Widow Recovery Secrets. Thank you for following and listening and then downloading our podcast. Please do not forget to rate it. A five star is good, as this encourages others who could benefit from its content to use as a transformational self-help tool. My mission is to empower and encourage widows to find a new purpose for the future out of their loss. And this is done here on the podcast and via coaching. If you remember, I did say I'm going to continue my series on Thriving Widows. And tonight, I've got a beautiful lady with me called Maya Etenia, all the way from America. She's based in the United States of America, near Chicago. She's a mother of two beautiful children, a wellness motivator, a widow in summer bloom, six years widow, still standing, and you can do it too as well. And so I'm going to hand you here to Maya. She's here to speak for herself. So welcome, Maya. Lovely to see you. Hi, Yemi. Thank you for having me here with you today. Um, and hello out there, wherever you are in the world listening today. Um, I'm sorry that you for your loss, um, but I'm glad that you are here today. And I hope that you're able to get just one thing. If you get more, that's that's so much better. But if you just get one thing that you can take from this interview today, then I've done my job and so has Yemi. Thank you. Thank you very much. So we're going to start with um, asking Maya to give us a brief outline of who you are and what content of the world you're based and how long have you been widowed? Just a general snippet of your life, basically, to date. So I uh, live in the United States. I'm actually in the Midwest, pretty close to Chicago in Indiana. And I am a homeschooling mom. So I've been homeschooling um, my two beautiful children since they were born. And to date, they're 10 and 12 years old. I was widowed when I was 33 years old. My husband died from a hit and run. We were sitting in the, the kitchen, listening to his radio show and um, cooking dinner. And he called me on his way home. He was walking and he never made it home. And um, yeah, so that is, so the, the next morning I had to wake up to my children asking me, where's daddy? Because they went to bed the night before with me. Um, praying for him and wondering where where is he? Um, so sorry for your loss. Thank you. So and I so that's been so I was widowed. That was December second, twenty fifteen. So I've been widowed six years. Wow. So sorry for your loss. But you're here. The most important thing is you're still here. Yes. You know, and that's why I encourage widows. I say to people widows that as long as we're here there's hope you know we do have pain we do have loss but as long as you're here there's always hope after loss I'm a living testimony and so is Maya here today it hasn't been an easy journey for me I'm not saying it's an easy journey but you can make it to the other side so I'm going to ask you the next question can you mention three solutions you've solved for yourself since being widowed Oh, yes, there's been so many things. So when I was right after Romeo passed, I think many widows may 
experienced this, but there was some conflict with um, Romeo's sister. So there we had a, a little bit of a rift between myself and his family with the, my in-laws. And I think, um, unfortunately, when, when you lose someone, when death happens, a lot of you know, people don't know where to put the grief, all these emotions that begin to surface in our life immediately. And sometimes, you know, you end up being the target of people's pain and it comes out in some of the ugliest ways and it can really tear apart families. Um, but I did my best to, you know, be, be, um, be peaceful and not, um, contribute to you know the conflict that was that was happening between um, myself and and his family and through that you know because my children I had children so I'm, I'm your family you know his family is still my family and they will always be connected to me and they're going to always be connected to my kids so um, it's very important for me to maintain you know strong family ties and, you know, as time has passed on, because I did not, I believe because I did not, um, you know, want to keep fighting the issue um, that with time and space, you know, his sister at one point sent me a message and said, you know, I'm sorry for everything that I did. Um, and I, and, you know, I forgive you for your part, which I was thinking, what was my part? But that's okay. <laughs> and, you know, and so from that place, now we are able to communicate with each other and talk with each other. And so I think some things will come up so quickly in our lives mm -hmm. after the death of our loved one that it's better to just give it space instead of fighting head to head and creating and breaking the bridges, you know, with friends and family, because at some point the tension will ease and it will be easier for you to deal with conflict that happens. So that's, you know, my take with in-laws. So if you have issues with in-laws, it's okay to step back and not try to, you know, fight through it and just allow some time for when it's not as heavy and you all can come back together. It's amazing, it's amazing. Yeah, and it's amazing now, as you rightly say, the face of grief is misplaced in different ways, in anger, resentment, and misplaced at the wrong person. You know, and I always find with widows, they always get the, 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 the backlash of that, which is very unfortunate, you know? Yes, absolutely. So, so, at least, so yeah, at least you've 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 built the bridge there, yeah. Yes. And that takes a lot of strength as well to do, because some people tend to withdraw totally for years after that. But that's showing you obviously you're forgiving as well. So can I can I ask you what other solutions? What other? Give me other two other solutions that you think simple things that you've been able to do that have been solutions since because. I I realized when I was married that obviously a man had a major role, but you realize it more when they pass away. So what are within that vacuum, what were the two other solutions that you had to create for your survival as a widow and for your children? So 
One other major thing that showed up immediately was the role that Romeo played as, as dad to my son and my daughter, because he was always the peacekeeper for my daughter, right? So she would go to him, which is kind of natural for a lot of girls. And um, I really had to, you know, ask him to help guide me, right? Like, okay, help me, Romeo. What, you know, what would Romeo tell, tell me to do? He'd tell me to leave her alone, give her space, you know, because as a mom and daughter, sometimes we kind of go head to head and, and I want to keep going. And Romeo would always be that peace between us. Okay, I got this. I got this, Maya, you step back, you know, let me handle Roya. And so um, that definitely is a part that I continue to work on today because um, I can't do it as naturally as he does. And then for my son, it's showing up now because now he is 10 years old. <laughs> and I am, my husband was the parts of me that, I, that aren't very strong in, in my life, right? So I'm constantly trying to, figure out how to expand my circle of friends and families that, that can support me and my kids. Mm -hmm. And I think at first it was, you know, I thought, okay, I can handle this on my own. But now I realize mm -hmm. I need as many people to be part of this village as possible mm -hmm. because it's never going to be one person to fill this space that he had and all of these roles that he did. Mm -hmm. But if I have many people, maybe one person can come and teach my son how to, you know, do home repairs in the house. And maybe mm -hmm. another uncle or friend can come and, you know, teach him or help him, you know, with maturing as a young man. Mm -hmm. And so I've one tool that I have you know, come to realize is that I need more people in my life. Mm -hmm, definitely. From this one person dying, I need more people mm -hmm. to help me go forward. Because it won't just be one person that can help you. It's going to be many people that add on into your life. And so there is a space and time to be by yourself, but there's also a place to open your life for more. That's amazing because what came to mind when you were talking as well is even when there's two of us as a couple, we need community. Talk us of when there's just one of you. And what I, another thing that I remember the saying that says it takes a whole village to raise a family, to raise children. It's not just one person, you know? And the, and the, what makes it, so you're basically wearing two hats, but in the hats wearing of two, you have to constantly vet the community also because- yeah. We are quite vulnerable. No matter how long we've walked this journey, there's something about a single woman that we always have to be aware of. I feel, feel continuously that you are vulnerable and there'll be people who want to take advantage as well. You know, so, but that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You know, where no matter, how even, no matter how long you've walked the journey, once one, they say two will chase 10,000, one will chase 1,000. As we say that in Christendom when we're praying. Mm -hmm. So there's power, there's a power of two and we're slightly more vulnerable when there's one of us. And that's why you more so, as you rightly say, community is essential, community. Yes. So, and then the yeah, third thing yes. um, is that, you know, when you have your partner, 
you always have somebody to talk to. You always have somebody to text. Um, you have someone, you know, when you're lonely. And so there's a lot of time that you have maybe that needs to be occupied yeah. or, or, and if it's not occupied, you know, ideas and thoughts come to your head. But one thing that helped me a lot um, was finding some type of activity that would use my brain, not just television, because when I watch TV, then maybe I still think about, you know, oh, Romeo's gone now. What am I going to do? But if I'm actively doing something with my brain, then I'm not thinking all of these, you know, these thoughts that may take me down, may take me down into depression. So, yeah. um, so the first winter, because he died in December, so yeah. I got so many puzzles. That, like puzzles were 500 piece puzzles, thousand wow. piece puzzles. Yeah. And so when the kids, you know, when the kids were playing or once they went to bed and I couldn't sleep, then I would start working on the puzzle because I'm trying to find all these little pieces <laughs> to put together. And that got me through a large yeah. chunk of time. Mm. And I wasn't doing anything that was harmful to myself. And, you know, I could just sit mm. and be with myself, yeah. but also be active. Yeah. And what I just to link into what you've shared is what I did as well is I found, well, she found me. I found a widow that walked the journey longer than I had. So I found in the evenings, as we say, when the kids have gone to bed, I will talk to each other or anything that came up during the day. Because mm -hmm. I found with me, what was important also for me was I had to talk to someone, as you say, mm -hmm. like, because with your husband, I didn't, when everyone's gone, when they've gone to bed, he's still there to talk to, yeah. or, you know, so I had to talk to someone. And that was a way of leaning into the loss because I would bring up things that, because every day, even as we speak, every day is always a constant, because just when you have children, because there are always things that will come on, especially as they reach each different age, there are other things, their needs keep changing. And then yeah. every year for me, I could start seeing my husband in them as well. It's like, oh my gosh, amazing. So I was blessed by having a, and I would recommend that, having a widow that has walked the journey. And the advantage of that was because our kids were bigger, anytime she would say things randomly and it was like, oh, wow, if she could do I could do it as well. You know, and I'll run with it. You know, she might not have realized, but she stood with me at least a good, I think a good four or five years we were together. And then at the time, there was a point where I knew the season had passed. That was when I knew I was getting stronger. But it seemed valuable because, because even when we see each other now, we tend to wonder, what, what did we get to talk about? But we did talk. <laughs> well, I, I definitely would agree with that. Having someone that you could talk to, especially a widow, sister, or brother, um, mm. is invaluable. Mm, so, I, yeah. 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 Okay, thank you for that. So the next question is, so where does faith, what does faith mean to you? And how, how does it equip your journey through grief and recovery? And faith could be, I'm using faith in a broader terms. I'll leave that to you how you're defining what you believe. Okay. So um, I actually practice um, Buddhism. Okay. And I, I chant nam myoho renge kyo. Mm. And so that is, it's like a meditation. And so actually before Romeo died, I had been 
chanting a lot to transform mm-hmm. our life. Yeah. And he he would sit in the corner. He'd say, what are you praying so hard for? I said, because mm-hmm. we've got to, you know, we've got to transform our life. We've got to upgrade our lives. And things were going really good. We were on a trajectory going, going up. We just, you know, my mother had just gifted us um, a home. Yeah, and yeah. so we had a lot of transitions happening, but it was we were in a really good place. And then I had reached a target time, like you know, of of my meditation practice, and I was going to take a break. And my my um my daughter said, "You shouldn't stop." <laughs> I said, "Oh, what do you mean? I know I've been doing this mm-hmm. for you know an hour X Y Z amount of days. I'm going to take a break." And that weekend, he died. Yeah. And I thought, wow, there's no way that I could be feeling so so good and be in such a good place and then his life be taken. There's no way that there does this, there's no meaning for this. But what I realized is that that carried me through the first couple of months because my mm-hmm. strength and my faith had been so strong mm-hmm. um, that I knew I was doing this with purpose. I knew that mm-hmm. I had been focused on our life as a whole, including his. And, and so my faith is an understanding of, you know, I'm also chanting for his life. I'm also praying for his life, you know, right. Whatever mm-hmm. has happened before me and after me. And so Faith is just, is this knowing that, and, and sometimes it's just a small knowing that everything has a divine purpose and timing and things will be okay eventually. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can work at kind of moving that a little bit more along the pathway mm-hmm. or we can resist it. But if we, if we focus in a space where I know things will be okay, right? Or, you know, I believe it is up to us and our own beliefs, whether you believe it or not, both are true, right? That's what helps to guide our life forward. If you take faith in something, that's what's gonna help you going forward. If you don't, then, you know, maybe it won't. It's all based on, I believe, what you, you choose to have faith in or what you choose to believe. And so that is what's helped me. There's a saying that winter always turns to spring. Mm -hmm. And so I would read a lot about this state of winter. And so that's why I say, you know, I'm a a widow in summer bloom. Okay, I understand, yeah, okay. You know, when widows first, when you first become a widow, it's like your life goes into winter state. Mm. Everything is dark. The color is drained Mm. from your life, right? But that doesn't mean that there's not life still there. Mm. Also for our person, um, you know, there is a cycle. You know, you, there's winter where everything seems to kind of die back and then there'll be spring again. And then at some point, summer. Um, and those stages are different for all of us, but we need different things in different stages mm-hmm. of our of our space and our recovery. Because mm-hmm. it's time and change, isn't it? Time and change, really. Yes. It's always so. Even within the context of grief, we need time, and the same with even within the grief, there's always be change. That change comes as we grow. So we either grow stronger or grow weaker, but we fight to grow stronger. Yes. 
you know, because it's interesting you talk about Buddhism because the person I used to, I watched a film by Tina Turner and I know she's yes. a Buddhist. So I've heard the chanting before. Like, because I'm a Christian and I read the Bible. Like, what helps me? I'm confused. I read, the, I read the word of God from the Bible. And that's the only way I know. That's the, what the Bible tells me in my faith. That's the only way. But I've come across people that use different things. But I definitely remember Tina Turner using that chanting, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. Okay. How does it? Okay. So the next, thank you for that. Yeah. And, and I love how you um, share the different seasons because when you explain seasons to people, if you don't, the way you explain it is wonderful because winter, then spring comes. Then, like in England, we have four seasons. So we have the autumn where the leaves shed, shed them. Yeah. Then we have winter where it's all gray and cold. Then spring comes. It's like a glimmer of light. Mm -hmm. And then the summer comes. So even when I talk in my coaching, I say to widows that you are in the grief stage, then you get to recovery. And then you get to a point where you're in a transformational stage. And that is the stage where I offer coaching in that the widow comes to a point of summer spring first and you start to see the possibilities of being alive and why God has still left kept you here for a reason then you start wanting to redefine yourself and perhaps even become greater than what you were before you met your husband absolutely yeah, and that's the that's the glimmer of hope we all have that we don't stay in the winter but it also comes with your intention to want to move along the seasons if absolutely. not we can stay in winter for 20 years and God forbid die spiritually, emotionally there with no growth at all. And that's when extreme depression, clinical depression can step in and so on and so forth. So there's a will. God gives us a will to intentionally continue to grow. And I say that to people. Sometimes people are not ready to hear it, but when they get to the stage where they are, I pray people are open to hear what we're saying, what we're really talking about. Absolutely. Um, and, and like you said, people can stay in winter for 20 years. Some people like winter. <laughs> Some people enjoy that state. And I, I, I think um, I like the analogy because, you know, in springtime, maybe you maybe it's just a little small flower, you know, yeah, that yeah. pops up. Yeah. Just a little glimmer, just this one yeah. thing that helps you through this interview. It doesn't have to be everything, just of one. Of course, yeah. And it's interesting you talk about the little glimmer because I remember when I was trying to find a background picture for my website, the only one that I could relate to was there was soil and there was a little plant coming through. And when I was explaining to my coach then, the person didn't quite understand, but you understand just what you just said because when darkness is upon you like grief, Every little glimmer of hope is life. It brings in a shade of light. And yeah. that's what it means when the soil, so when you till your soil and the plants start to bloom, that's how grief is. It's like it's lifting little by little as life comes back into us. But just to respond to what we were saying about sometimes people staying for 20 years, I think it sometimes is, lack of self-awareness as well and not having the right people around us to motivate us because in the society I'm in England people are afraid to talk about loss mm -hmm. people are afraid to talk about grief they they don't intentionally do so but if they can avoid it they do 
Yeah. So you find you have to make sure you have the right people around you that are going to continue to give you hope also. Because yeah. as we know, the influence and the connections we make can either make or break us. You know, so, and I think that's why people tell you can stay in it for 20 years because they've hidden away and perhaps don't have the right people around them and so on and so forth. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that. I'm going to go on to the next question. So what is the biggest challenge a widow faces where you are geographically in the world? What would you say is one of the biggest challenges? Well... I'm not sure that there is a biggest challenge for widows in the United States um, because I believe we all start this journey with the challenge of how do we live without our spouse, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then the challenge that stands out for me and the widows I work with is the challenge of dealing with loneliness. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. And so your spouse is your friend, Yeah. you know, your, your lover, your companion, your tag team partner. Mm -hmm. partner in joy, your co-parent, the beginning of your day, the end of the day, you know, mm -hmm. everything in between. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and so what do you do when you, when all of that is, is, is now gone, right? Mm -hmm. you, and we're so busy in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, now this person is gone and you have time on your hands. That's hard. We don't, we don't deal with silence and time on our hands and loneliness very well. Mm. There's a large lack of self-awareness and wanting to be with yourself. Mm. Um, but mm. like you were saying, um, just on the last question, you know, we don't really want to surround ourselves with people who don't want to be around us talking about grief all the time, mm -hmm. right? So the circles that we are used to being part of are circles of other couples, right? Uh, friends and family. And, mm -hmm. and so we kind of dry that well up pretty fast, either from, mm -hmm. from, you know, having to constantly talk about, this is what's always on my mind is my spouse, mm -hmm. right? And so either that circle of friends ends up distancing themselves, or we don't want to put that burden on other mm -hmm. people and we find ourselves lonely. But mm -hmm. well, yeah, you, I want, can I just say something? What came to mind as well is like, when I became a widow, I remember going to an event, a social event. And for the first time I was in a room and I actually saw myself as single. And I started to, and there were a lot of couples and I felt there's something about being single again that threatens couples as well, especially women who are married. So sometimes mm -hmm. some couples that we knew might not necessarily want to engage with you as they did when you were part of a couple. I don't know if you found that. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> I didn't really find, well, I don't think that I felt it and I may not have been aware of it yeah, um, yeah. if it was there, but because most of the couples that I was connected with at the time were also homeschoolers. And so I had decided to continue yeah. homeschooling. Um, but, you know, I had changed so much about the way I even showed up and I'll get to that maybe a little bit um, down the line and I'll, I'll come back to that that question but can I ask you in terms of where you are what kind of support is given to widows by 
government, local government, society, support groups? Is there anything there? Uh, I think it's the same with this kind of grief avoidant. So, you know, there are, you can find grief share groups and, you know, maybe a local church. Um, if you go through your uh, medical system, you can, you know, you can get some counseling. Um, I don't know how much it's encouraged in, in the Black community, you know, mental health issues are really shunned upon and, you know, we don't really talk about it a lot. Yeah. And, and you know the older widows you know would say something like oh just keep living i'm just get, you know you got to just keep going oh my yeah. god but what so, financial support is there any kind of financial support for when you first no, become a widow or continually just if you have children if you have children you're you're able and thereby your um spouse that passed away then you can re receive a monthly check um, but you can't receive money or social security until you reach a certain age in your sixties. So if you die and, or if your husband or wife passes and you're not old enough, you can't, you get a one-time check of like $200 or something. Sorry. Can I, can I just ask you this again, what you're saying? So since you've been widowed with your young children, the state is only giving you two hundred dollars. How you're saying? Well, no. So I get my children get checks. Yeah. But for me, I don't get anything. Oh, so they pay. They so they give you something for your children every month. Yes. Okay, but you don't get anything as a widow. No. Oh, so would that depend on how much you've contributed to the national insurance or tax and stuff? That, that, that depends on how old you are. My gosh, that's you have to be like 60 or 65 or something to tap into your late husband's social security. Okay. And that's if you don't remarry and all, you know, X, Y, Z. So, okay. Because in England, we don't get a lot, but for as a widow, you get an, a certain allowance every month. Okay. Yeah. As long as you're still a widow and you don't remarry. Okay, but you don't have to be 60 to get that. However, in terms of the pension, it depends. If your late spouse had paid into the system, when you get to a certain age, you will get his pension as well. Okay, but yeah, but you do get something, and the other obviously, other benefits depending on your income and what how many hours you work, and so on. You know, some people prefer to work full time, some people prefer to do certain, but you will still get something or. Certain benefits you get supplementing, supplementing your income because of your children will allow you access to rebates on other things. Okay. Yeah. It's not a lot, but it still makes it a lot of, because fi as we know, finance is very huge amongst the widow community. Yeah. So late spouse didn't have life insurance, insurance or life cover. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. I think you've answered the challenge question. So what purpose have you found out of loss? What, what dream do you, what dream are you chasing now that perhaps you wouldn't have, perhaps have considered or done when your late spouse was alive? Okay, so I really try to live my life on purpose. Okay. And I set out to craft my day based on, on what I want to feel. So. 
Um, after losing Romeo, I began setting an intention every day when I woke up and I knew I didn't want to feel depressed and angry and stuck in a cycle of why Romeo, why me, mm. why us, why now? And so I used the loss of Romeo to kind of ignite more vitality in my life. Okay. And I decided to make um, every day just more meaningful and live more, yeah. right? And I'm not to say that that was like an overnight thing, but you know, it starts in your mind and it starts with an intention and a decision. Mm. And so um, in the first three months, um, I set out to write a hundred things that I wanted to do. Okay. Essentially, essentially like a bucket list. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> it takes a long in your mind. I'm like, oh, I can sit down and write a hundred things that I want to oh, do. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a it lot. Yeah. Mm. I'm like, okay, what else could I want to do? Um, but I kept going. I, I come back to the list and, and I add a couple more things because once you open the channel, then your mind is searching for, okay, well, what else? Mm. Um and so I kept going on my bucket list and trying to figure out what else I wanted to do and see during my time here. And, you know, from that list, I, I had things like, you know, um, riding a hot air balloon and um, driving a sports car. And those are some things that I can remember off the top yeah. of my head. I wanted to travel to some more places and see waterfalls. And what else did I have in my list? But what I realized is some of the things on my list were things that I could easily do now. They weren't things that I needed to put off until some future day. Yeah. And I ended up, I didn't go on a full on um, hot air balloon ride, but first I got a, first one of my puzzles was hot air balloons. So I did a puzzle that had a bunch of heart. So I'm like, you know, building up to this. So at first I wrote it down. You know, this mm -hmm. is one of the things I want to do. And then I found a puzzle and I was like, oh my gosh, hot air balloons. <laughs> you know, and this is yeah. on my list. So I, you know, spent time looking at the hot air balloons and creating the puzzle. And then we spent some time in another city and they had hot air balloon rides. Okay. And they were short rides. I didn't get to make it to that. But then when I came home, they had tethered rides where you kind of, you just float a little bit. And yeah. I got that and I said, hey, that's still a check. That's still mm -hmm. a victory. It's still me, me moving forward. And so I, I continue to find small mm -hmm. things like that yeah. keep me encouraged and keep mm -hmm. me to looking forward to something. What's next? Yeah, what else sure. can I look for that's on my list how can i you know stay in the present and start looking a little bit towards the future and these yeah. aren't things they're not groundbreaking things yeah but they are things that are helping to build up this newer version of maya yeah so can i ask you so with with that plan in action comparing where you are now and where you were before Explain the difference in your mood and everything to me and your, how you see your grief. Would you say you're in recovery or just, so the gap of now and a year after your loss, that gap in between, what has that done for you? All those planning and what you've just said to me. Okay, so 
so where I am now is an amazing space. I feel completely me again. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Yeah. Yes. And so mm -hmm. I, I, what I tell um, the widows in our, you know, in our grief group that I, yeah. I host on Wednesdays, yeah. as I tell them that, you know, we have all these pieces to ourselves yeah. and they're just on the shelf. They had, they're not, they're not lost. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're still there. They're just like books that are on the shelf. They might be getting a little dusty. That's okay because eventually they'll come off the shelf, right? And then they'll be part mm -hmm. of you again, mm -hmm. but you don't need them right now, right? Mm -hmm. If you're, depending on the stage you're in, you don't need all of these parts of you because your focus is on your recovery and healing. Mm -hmm. And so right now I'm in a place of, I remember who I am. I'm remembering mm -hmm. the, the, pe the person I am. And so I'm actually in the space of trying to reconnect with all of these different people from my past okay. so that so that I can have like a physical remembrance of me. Because when I reconnect with somebody that I went to high school with, then mm. I'm like, oh, I remember I used to enjoy doing this. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, and I, yeah, it's so amazing. I went on my first trip by myself without the kids mm. um, this year. Where did you go? I went to Puerto Rico. Wow, wow, wow. And so before Romeo, I used to travel by myself. And so after I met Romeo and we got married, we did some traveling together. And then I have never traveled again by myself. And so this one thing that I did, and, and I met other people, but I spent a lot of time by myself. And so when I was walking the streets alone, I was thinking, oh, I remember this. I remember I could do this. I remember I'm powerful. I remember that all of this is part of who I am. And each time, so this is where I am in this space now. And that's why I say summer bloom. It's full, right? All, Amen. The, Amen. all the bees are out. The sun is shining. Amen. Everybody's happy. And this is the space I'm in now. And it took a long time and it took work. Yeah. But from... You know, a, from the first year the, that Romeo passed, I was just building, you know, mm -hmm. right? I'm just building a space to, to, to be part of this newer version of me. Yes, yes, yes. So That's I, amazing. You know, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, beautiful. And, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. And, and you basically, what you're saying exemplifies what I try to say to widows. It's exactly what I, because... In the world we live in, it's so easy for the female to assimilate into marriage more than the male. So when loss comes, there's a part of the identity that you can lose as a woman if you're not careful. So I will say, and what you rightly say, there was a you before the marriage and there's a you after the marriage. And obviously the in-between is the sadness of loss, but you can recapture a new future. And that's what you've said to me. It requires a lot of work, a lot of intention, and a lot of building and connecting, as you rightly say, but it can be done. And that's absolutely the podcast. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Everybody can, you know, your journey is not going to look like mine. Mm, exactly. But you definitely can do it. 
It just takes one step in front of the other step. And when you have somebody on the other end, like give me guiding, you say, oh, come on, come on. Where, where do you want to go now? Which direction you want to go now? Just keep coming. Just keep looking towards me. Just keep walking this way. Then you can you can understand, okay, I know I'm walking this path towards this direction yes, because I don't want to stay stuck. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean Romeo's not with me. He's I talked to Romeo today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, okay, we're gonna be talking today. I'm I'm saying his name mm-hmm. as we're speaking today. He yeah, hasn't left me. Yeah. It's such a lovely name as well. Such a because be- I did here to ask you what your husband's name, but you've meant you keep mentioning his name, which is good. So yes. what, what I get from what you're saying is obviously you're built you've built confidence because grief can make us lose confidence. You know, but what I wanted to ask you that was very important. One thing you mentioned is your your grief group. Can you share more about this group and how long has it been running and how did you build it up? Okay, yes. Yeah. So last year I was really um, praying about at the beginning of the year. Um, twenty. This is twenty twenty two. So twenty twenty one. I was really praying. Okay, what? Where am I going to put my gifts? What you know? What do I do next? Right and um, after some time, it just hit me, your your crowd is widows. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Because I always wanted to share um, tools with people on, you know, how to live a full life, right? And how to live with joy. That's always been um, a passion of mine and something that I've always worked on for myself. And so when the idea had said, oh, that makes sense. Widows, if nobody else needs it, widows need to feel encouraged and know that there's a possibility out there Amen. to feel okay, even going through the deepest and darkest hours. And so I joined um, a couple of Facebook groups. And on one of the groups, a young widow group, there was another young lady saying, hey, I'm thinking about creating a, a, a group. And I said, oh, I'll help you out if you want to do that. And so it ends up now it's three of us. It's um, Tina is a young lady and she was just a couple of months. So she just, you know, she knew she needed it. And the groups that she had been joining were all much older and she was only 31. Yeah. And she was like, I, you know, I, I don't mind listening, but I really want a group where there are people the same age. Yes, yes. Like, these people have had families and you know, been with their person for 30 plus years, I can't relate to what they're saying. And so Tina, myself, Maya, and Catherine, the three of us decided, okay, we'll meet, we'll figure out what we want to do. And so now we uh, host eight to 10 week sessions. And most of our people come in at uh, one month, three months, four months. Um, I know it's really heartbreaking. And we, and you don't have to be in it for, you know, the whole time you can come and go and it's free right now. Um, And so, and then we take a short break. We take, you know, like a three or four week break and then start the next session so that we can get, you know, more so that we can keep um, adding people in. And also I think that when we take a break, it helps the widows also to kind of process what they've been doing and learning because it's good to have a group but you but we also can lean a little too much and end up 
wanting our wave to look like everybody else's wave and their journey to look like our journey. And, you know, I think it's, it's healthy to take a little bit of a break and come back and say, oh, this is what, this is how I've grown. Um, So yes, so that is the Young Widow Support Group. We do it um, on Wednesday nights um, at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. We just started a new session yesterday. Um, And I, I really enjoy it. I really, it helps to remind me of why I'm doing this. And so I did that, I started that first as I continue to work on creating my private practice and my own, you know, group shares where, you know, people will get one, one-on-one yes. with me and yeah. more added tools. So we don't share as many tools. Hmm. Um, during that, it's more of a space to feel validated and seen and heard Mm-hmm. And I've gotten, I've received a lot from it. Yeah. Even being the the veteran widow in the group, mm-hmm. I have received from being able to share my story and remembering all these loving things and sharing about Romeo and hearing everybody else's. It gives me hope, one about love. Yes. Because everybody's story is different. Mm-hmm. And everybody's story is so magical. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. Yes. And you're you're actually at the the group you're doing. You're basically at the raw. You're dealing with the raw end of grief, aren't you? Yeah. Like just one month, two months. It's very raw, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And so now that we've been doing it for a year, now we have some people who are a year and yeah. you know six months. So it's a and and some of the earlier grief, the raw grief people, they come in and say, well, maybe I shouldn't be here. People who are much further along. I said, no, no, you want to see that you're not going to stay in this space. They were just here last year. Yeah. Thinking what you were thinking, stay, even if you don't want to talk each time, that's okay. But you're going to be able to hear ideas that you wouldn't have thought about. And you're going to get some type of hope from one of these other widows. Yeah. And what they're saying and what accomplishment they were able to do. Yeah. Oh, I got out of the bed this day. Or I, you know, we got somebody who started her own business and something she always wanted to do and her husband wanted her to do and she finally did it. And so mm-hmm. it is so encouraging. Yeah, it is. Because I'm starting a, well, I've been, I'm starting a recovery, widow recovery group as well for women 40 plus. Okay. Yeah. So I've put that on events, bright, And it's a way of, it builds relationship as well. Because even when you want to coach people, people won't come with you, come to you anyway, if you haven't, if they don't know you, you have to have a forum where people trust you, trust who you are, know more about you and so on and so forth. It's not just about being on social media. You have to connect on the ground with people. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that. That's amazing. Amazing. All right, I'm going to take you. This is this is a question I ask most people that come on. So, what are your views on dating and eventually remarriage? Okay, <laughs> this has been such a hot topic for the young widow community. I don't know about everybody else, yeah. but I've kind of sat back and watched how online they they get so fired up. Um, <laughs> it's a very it's an interesting topic. It's about love, isn't it? It's about loving again. <laughs> and it's a, it's a, it is about love. Um, and I just want to start with um, how I'm also still so encouraged when I hear, you know, people's stories about 
um, their relationships uh, their, with their late husband and, and wife. And so um, I'll just say that first of all, I believe we need to give ourselves grace, time and space. Every widow needs some of that. Yeah. And uh, two months after Romeo passed, my next door neighbor suggested I go out and meet someone new. And I, I felt repulsed. I was just like, oh my goodness, what in the world? Why would she say that to me? Um, <laughs> oh yes. It's like, oh, you need, you need to be dating somebody. Yeah. This, is the, the, this is the quick fix. And so um, I had a man mm. I barely knew dropping mm. off notes in my home. And that felt very invasive and predatorial. So where did the man come from? I, maybe he had been invited to um, Romeo's services from a friend. I don't know. Maybe I had met him a lot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 Mm. And then I had an elder man. So he was probably, you know, this man had helped us with something around the house. And, you know, so I had him. So he, you know, after Romeo passed, he, you know, would come over some more. And, you know, sometimes he'd take the kids and I to go get some you know so it, it was fine and you know I mean of course again we we're accepting of these things and, yeah. and we're lonely so you want to spend yeah. time and and share some of your time and love with my family okay mm -hmm. and so in one breath he's you know telling me you know I need you know just ask for something xyz but then 10 breaths down the line he's trying to make a move on me and I'm like what in the world? And so I really closed myself off to men mm -hmm. because I personally felt too vulnerable yeah. and that I needed to protect myself, my family, and to heal. And so this goes back to your question about being around other um, married couples. Mm -hmm. I was like, I had like all these layers on me because I felt like the layers would help protect me. And I can yeah. see that now. Um, I always loved long skirts and long dresses, but I think even then it was like, I felt like it was a protective layer. Mm. Like, I don't, don't look at me. I don't want your mm. attention. I don't want any of that. But to be honest, I called a man from my past mm. who I thought I could trust, who I knew I could trust. Yeah. And he would, he would talk to me on the phone and come to visit um, once or twice he came to visit. And then my mind began trying to figure out how I can move this man into the missing piece of my life. Yes, yes. Right? So my mind is like, oh, here's a man. You lost a man. How do we, maybe this will just fit like this and mm -hmm. it could be perfect and we can keep living life, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know if I'm the only person that thinks like this mm -hmm. or that this has happened to, but I imagine yeah. that I'm not, mm -hmm. right? Because- this was, this was really my fresh, this has to have been the first few months. And so um, I started asking him questions about his marriage style mm. and long Now we weren't intimate or anything. We weren't dating. Mm. He was just coming and, yeah. you know, spending time with me. That's all he was doing. Mm. And luckily for me, and probably why I trust him, he told me I had a lot of work to do and set me on a path of self-exploration, mm. inner healing, and exercise. So I, I knew, in my, I knew <laughs> why I called this person. You trust him, yeah. Because yeah, I trusted, trusted him. him. yeah. And so every time he sees me, he comments on how much my life force has grown. So we, you know, mm. after that, 
we talked maybe every six months and he said, you're looking really good now. You're looking so much better than the last Mm -hmm. time. And so I say that to say, um, it's okay today, I think. But if you are like so many other widows, when you first lose your person, you have no idea who you are anymore. How can I bring myself into a relationship if I do not know who I am yet. Yeah. <laughs> and so I encourage people, and it's okay. I know people get lonely. I know we want companionship. But sometimes those lines can get blurred because our mind, like my mind did, is like, oh, okay, I'm talking to this person every day. They're nice. Maybe I can just kind of, you know, it feels good. Mm-hmm. You double your happiness when you have an, a, a love affair, it yeah. doubles your happiness. So it's so much easier to bring somebody into your life and kind of push that grief away. That grief hasn't gone. Yeah. It's just been covered up. Yeah, right? and that is so dangerous. So dangerous because once you start feeling happy from this endorphins or you know have, being able to have somebody to occupy your time, you're not dealing with the grief. You're, you've really trying to you've buried it but (laughs) everything Mm -hmm. just like a little puppy dog that thing will come back (laughs) as soon as there's space and time it will Mm -hmm. resurface yeah and so i'm not trying to say that to scare anybody Mm -hmm. and um but i i do think that for widows it's probably beneficial to have someone help in guiding you through something like that yeah, because I think so. you want to look at things mm-hmm. you want to be able to see the spectrum of what you're doing right Definitely. because Definitely. you're not the same person mm-hmm. that you were we before you can I just say we haven't got a lot we've got five minutes left God. Oh, goodness. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but what I just wanted to add it's okay what I wanted to add to that though is on my because I do a few webinars on how are you sure you're ready to date how do you know you're ready to date what do you need to, what are the five signs that show you're ready and what are the other five signs that show you're not ready yet? And it's, you've made such a valid point because it's no use going into a new relationship when you're still raw with grief because grief blurs so many things like any adversity does anyway or any challenge we go through, we need time to lean into it, recover, understand it and find out you're going to maneuver your way through it and then come on the other end. I think bringing someone in so early can confuse things. And one thing I just wanted to share with you as well, Maya, is one thing I learned is after five years or so, I met someone quite a special person. And you don't realize it was a lovely relationship. But when we did part ways, I found also that I was still vulnerable in the sense that when you've been in a loving relationship for so many years, which I was, even though you've walked your grief and I was ready, I felt you can take a certain fantasy of that and expect that person to be like that. But sometimes in being more rational, you can realize that the person was lovely, but there's certain bits they could not, it wouldn't fit properly because you were in many ways quite different. Mm-hmm. But you can, because of the fantasy of being in a love relationship, you automatically assume that would be the case. Am I making sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's important. Yeah. So it's important. It's important to, when you start dating as well, 
you have to start dating to really know also if you are really ready, in spite of all what we teach and coach on. You have to exercise. But I think after a three, four year period and you feel you are and you're not dreaming all the time. One key thing I say is as long as you stop dreaming about your husband and you talk less about your husband, that is some sign that you're your recovery. But if you're still talking about your husband and you still dream about him, those are red flags. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And I think it's a it's a brilliant idea to add relationship coaching in there too. And, and yes, you know oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. So I'm going to ask you one more question and I'm aware of time. It's amazing how the time flies. Is Yes. What, in terms of the interview today, what would you say a widow's will benefit? One thing that comes to mind that you think a widow from hearing this podcast, they will take away. One thing that might have struck you from our conversation. Well, um, before joining this call, I really, I really spent time making the intention that you know listeners with who experienced this interview um, would get one one thing from it, and and I'm really honored to hold a space of hope and light for widows who are in their darkest hours of grief, and so um, I really, you know, I I don't know what widows will take from it. It can be any number of things. Um, what stood out for me is is really having someone who's a little further along on your journey to be able to walk alongside you or um, to be able to call on because it's so powerful. I think in, in many instances, when you have children, then you start gathering around other people with children. When you get married, you start gathering around other yes. people who are married. When you are widowed, it's natural if there were spaces for you to naturally gather around other widows. And so yeah. I think it's really important to have a social aspect of other widows in your life because it's only a natural thing for us to be together. Yeah, and it's very powerful because even though we grieve differently, just having this conversation tonight, you can relate. You, it, it goes past age. Or it's a, it's, the common denominator is that a spouse has been lost. And it's lovely, very powerful to be able to have even just one person who's further along to either mentor you or coach you a lot. It's very, very powerful. And I can test it, as I shared with you earlier on, it's on reflection now that I see more and more of what this lady did to me, you know, and I'm trying to get her even on the podcast to come and be interviewed. All right. So I have, I have got to round up now. It's been lovely having you, Maya. And it's been such a blessing and it's been a very powerful conversation. And I'm, I'm so encouraged by your journey. And I've taken a lot from you as well, especially I'm going to start, I'm going to go away with the hundred, I'm going to do a hundred points on what I want to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and let you know, even, at least even if I could get to 30, it's a start and then do another 30. You know, it's very empowering. And the energy you, you bring to this conversation is amazing. So we're going to, we're going to round up now. I hope our audience will get a lot from this. Beautiful ladies, wherever you are around the, the world, I do hope you've you gained something from this conversation. I'm winding down again. This is your host, Yemi Majekodumi from Widow Recovery Secrets. To learn and to listen to our podcast, you'll find all my links on businessandmarriagecoaching.co.uk. And I'm saying again, dare to dream greater because there's always hope after loss. If I can do it and Maya can do it, so can you. Goodbye.
Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you very much.